0: Good evening everybody. We are here the first Saturday, 2nd of July in India. It's still on the first, on the other side of the globe, half, half the world. But we welcome you to our Q&A. We got very serious questions this time from everywhere, from one end of the world to the other end, from the Middle East. We just trust God we have just enough time to answer at least some of them important questions and we ask lord for wisdom and discernment so this evening before we go to the q a pastor with could you lead us in prayer
1: father in heaven we just want to thank you once again for this time thank you lord thank you thank you father for this for every opportunity that you give to us to come together to listen to your word in different formats lord and even as we lord go through all these questions father grant us the wisdom lord grant pastor the wisdom lord the word Lord, and Lord, make every answer relevant to every everyone's heart, whatever situation that they're going through, O oh Lord Jesus. Touch them, O oh Lord, touch us all, anoint us afresh, O oh Lord Jesus, and speak to our hearts this evening. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray.
0: Amen. 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 Amen.
1: Pastor, <clears throat> this is question number 10. Question number 10. We'll start with question number 10. It's a two-part question. Uh, actually, two slides. Okay, just put it up. Thank you says in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, the statement is sometimes made that the Old Testament God was a God of wrath, but but uh, He's a God of grace today. In these verses, especially in verse 7, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children. Does this still happen in our present lives? If Jesus died and all of our sins are taken on Calvary, how can this iniquity fall upon our children? Am I reading this wrong? please explain
0: see the 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 fact is that uh, when jesus died on the cross he took our sin our transgression and our iniquity That is positional it becomes functional only when i believe in it when i believe in it hmm. okay and then that's how it happens functionally positional is one thing okay functional is something else. Positionally, is that you can have money in your bank. Functionally, is when you spend it. You can have all the money in the bank, like many people who hear and die a beggar because you never spent it. Mm. So, positionally, he's done it. It is finished. It is finished. Now, it becomes finished in the life of those who believe it and know how to functionally walk in it. That's what the Bible says. If any man is in Christ Jesus, He's the new creation. All things have passed away. Mm. The question is, have all things passed away? Positionally, yes. yes. Functionally, do you believe? Or do you allow the old things to control you? The a simple question. So, positionally, one thing is true. Functionally, I mean, I will, I'll put it across in Old Testament terms to so that we understand. If you go to the book of Joshua and turn first to chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Chapter 1. And verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now what does God say? I have given you. Yes. Okay. If we turn to Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. Bah. Mm. The Lord said to Joshua, "See, I have given Jericho into your hand; its king and its mighty men of valor." The question is, have they fought? No, not yet. But has it been given? Yes, yes. Now to appropriate it, they have to fight. It. Mm. They have to fight it. So Jesus has taken care of it all on the cross. Now we appropriate it by faith. If He hadn't done in, in on the cross, we cannot take it by faith. We will not win we will not win because the devil has access and he has control and authority because we have sinned and the iniquity of our fathers follow us. But because Jesus had paid the price now we can fight. That's what the Bible says, they overcame him by the blood mm. of the Lamb. The mm. first thing is the blood of the Lamb. The second is thing, by the word of their testimony, they understand what Christ has done. That's where knowledge comes in. They understand what Christ has done. And they walk and live in it. And when they are defeated, they're still able to go back to the blood. If any man um, sins, we have an advocate. If we confess the blood of Jesus, we go back to the blood because it's been paid in all. So mm. we have to go back. So, that is That confession is a part of your testimony. That's what it's talking about. So first, the iniquity is broken over a person when he comes to the Lord and when he learns how to walk in it. When it comes to our children, remember, our children are not positionally saved. Mm. They're only positionally separated for saving. Mm-hmm. They are not saved. yet. Yes. They are not saved. They are positionally. That's what it says your children are holy because of the believing parents' yes. faith in First Corinthians seven seven, 14. It, yeah. so, so 7 14. fourteen so that no people, parents, understand it because that's a very, very it's one of those rare verses in the Bible. Okay. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. It does not say the unbelieving husband is saved by the wife. Mm-hmm. No. Remember, salvation comes before sanctification. Here in this term, sanctification means he has been set Set apart. apart. It is easier for an unbelieving husband to get saved with a believing spouse than an unbelieving husband with an unbelieving wife. That Mm. does not give you license to go and get married to unbelievers. That's not what the Bible is saying. It's talking about the case in the first century where wives got saved or the husbands got saved among the Gentiles. Mm. Now he has a living testimony in his house. He's able to see the life of Christ and the work of Christ happening. So for him to get saved is actually easier than an unbelieving wife is sanctified by her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, Unclean. but now they are holy. Holy means they are set apart. That means they are not saved. Don't misunderstand they are saved. They are not saved. Children, not everybody has to hear believe, repent, believe, and be saved. But here what happens, the children are set apart, but they still have the iniquity. They still have the iniquity that follows them. Okay, The father is a believer, the mother is a believer, the children, that iniquity still follows because they are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. That follows them, that follows them. But it is easier for them to overcome because they have believing parents who understand who are able to break that power over their lives use exercising their authority the parents you know and parents most parents do not understand this concept so what happens is Uh, they move in a religion called Christianity. But if parents are aware and understand the father has authority, the mother has authority, God-given authority, the father functions as the priest in the house and is able to break it over their children and lead. That's why we dedicate our children by saying as early as possible they will come to know the Lord personally and then it is broken. Then you teach them how to walk in obedience and it will sin will not have power that's where grace comes in in their case remember again like i said children are not born saved they're only set apart they are only set apart because of the faith of the children because of the parents or one parent at least the faith of the parent like we have we even in our own church we have people whose one spouse is a believer one spouse is not a Believer, unbeliever. So, what is the promise we give the person who is a believer? It is always this. That is how iniquity. Iniquity is primarily the, what we call it, the propensity to sin. Mm. What empowers you to sin. Okay, it is basically that. There is sin. There is sin. Like, uh, like, like, let's look at the light over here. There is light over here. So, when we look at the light, we know there is power. Yes. Right? The power goes, the light goes. Okay. So when you see sin, you will know that it is that is empowering something, especially which is which is consistent. When it is consistent. It can pass. It does not mean the sin should take the same shape. Should take the ah, shape. It can be something yes, else. Yes. Okay, like depending upon the iniquity. I'll put an example. There is Abraham. <clears throat> when famine comes, he goes into Egypt and he's afraid. About his own life. So he tells his wife to lie that you are my sister. It's, we want to call it a half lie, but it's still a lie. So he lies because he is afraid. Okay. Now that same fear is passed on to Isaac. When it comes to that, he also lies. Okay. By the time you come to the third generation, iniquity is increasing. Iniquity is increasing. Okay. Now Jacob is a solid liar. But when it comes to the fourth generation, it does not. They are not fearful. Have you noticed? They are not fearful. Judah and Simeon and Levi are not afraid.
1: Yes, the whole time. But they,
0: their iniquity moves into something else. Ah. The, the sin comes into something else. Yes. They become murderers. Yes. Okay. They slaughter. So, like fear can be something. Fear does not have to manifest in the same way in the same in different people. It can manifest in different ways. But what is empowering it is something which is called fear, mm-hmm. okay, in Zacchaeus' case, okay. Because if you don't deal with iniquity, you will never overcome sin. You have to deal with iniquity. Iniquity is what is empowering sin, okay. You have to understand what it like. In Zacchaeus' case, why did he become a tax collector?
1: He wanted to make money.
0: There could be so many reasons. Okay, If you read it, if you read it and try to analyze this man, you realize he's a short man. He's a very short man. So he's a very insecure man. He wants attention, but he does not get the attention. So people do a lot of things just to get attention. Hmm. They want appreciation. They want to be accepted in this society. So a lot of people do lots of A lot of people are not into something because they love it. They are into it because that is a negative attention is something terrible with children. They want negative attention. So here in this case, I believe this is, whatever caused him to happen, we do not know. Ultimately, he became a tax collector. And now he's the richest man over there. Okay. So when Jesus encountered, comes into his house, the first thing what happened, Jesus looks down and says, you know what, I accept you. Okay. So the first thing he says, I'm coming to your house today. I accept you. The Samaritan woman also the same thing. He says, I accept you. Mm. Okay. So their entire struggle, all this life or acceptance is over because somebody who is so big, I mean God <laughs> in man, has accepted you. Okay, that is the first thing that takes your fear and insecurity away. We need, that's, that's what the Bible says. We have been accepted in the beloved. and People need to get this. I don't have to strive for appreciation anymore. I am accepted. Oh. I am accepted. I am just trying to please my God because I love him. Mm. But I am accepted. I cannot do anything more for God to love me. I can do many things to please him. But nothing more to love him. I am accepted as I am. He found me in the dung heap. And he picked me from there, he accepts. So he tells Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to you, coming to your house. Zacchaeus. Struggle, battle for appreciation, acceptance is over. Immediately he tackles with iniquity first, not sin. His sin is that he has overcharged the people, he has taken much from the people. His iniquity was covetousness. So the first thing he says, half my wealth and I sell and give it to the poor. He doesn't have to do that. There is nothing in the law you need to do that. But he knows that is covetousness that is causing him to steal. If he deals with covetousness, then you can handle sin. Then he says, from whoever I have stolen, I give four times over. Now, if he had taken the first part away and done only the first thing, you know what? The sin will manifest again. Again, yes. Till again, till again. But the minute he has dealt with the iniquity fall cowardiceousness. The mm-hmm. That's what Jesus is trying to tell in the Sermon on the Mount. You look at murder, that is sin. You don't look at iniquity, which is anger. You deal with anger, you will not kill. You look at adultery. He says, that is sin. You deal with lust, you will not commit. Mm. He says, you have to deal with these issues. He says, what is empowering this is what you need. The law will only deal with the sin. The policeman will only deal with sin. When it's physically manifested, he cannot get into your heart and deal with your iniquity. Only God can do that and show you. So that is what truth does. So people love the law. And everybody says, according to the law, I am kosher. God says, you're not going to be judged by the law. You're going to be judged by the truth. Hmm. And the truth is what can set you free. The law cannot set you free. The only purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ. And when we come to Christ, Christ will show what can set us free. What can set us free is that we need to realize this is what I am. This is what is empowering me. So through grace, I can handle that. I deal with lust. I can deal with this. I deal with anger. I can deal with this. So that is what God is looking at. So what is the iniquity? What is the iniquity? Okay. And there is the genetic makeup that goes and we have to accept it. If we accept the physical part of mm. the genetics and the disease part of the genetics, we need to accept the spiritual part of the genetics also. Now we say like father, like son. Like father, like son. So that genetic, this passes on. That is what he is saying. I will visit the iniquity of the fathers for the second, third, to the fourth generation. But the problem is, it doesn't stop there. Because let us say, the first generation did something. That doesn't mean the fourth, fifth generation onwards, you are fine. Because mm-hmm. if the second generation does it again, you go down four yeah. down line. Then the third does again. So it is not going to end. Mm-hmm. It is not going to. It is only going to end when Christ goes onto the cross and he says, it stops here. And he says, it is only going to finish when I give you a completely new beginning, which is called the new birth. Wow. Otherwise, it is not going to finish. Yes, yes. So the solution to sin, iniquity and transgression is a completely new birth. You are born from above. You are born of incorruptible seed. Your child is not born of incorruptible seed. It is born by the will of the father. It is not born of incorruptible seed. That's where you need to realize so. But the entire thing is that the child is wholly set apart because the child is living in an atmosphere which is a believing atmosphere that should lead the child as fast as possible to the new birth. Mm. And iniquity is broken over that child. And Lord, teach that child to walk Work with God. No. But if you don't, if you keep on feeding the iniquity, you will empower sin. If you keep on, so let us let us look at uh, uh, anger as an iniquity. You keep on feeding the anger, and that is why you will see there are very few commandments about murder in the Bible. Mm. All the teachings are on anger. Anger, yes. You see, we should, yeah, proverbs, proverbs. proverbs or Old Testament, New yes. Testament. There's hardly any teaching about killing and not killing. God doesn't want. A no? few places He says that. Okay, few places He says that. But what are all the teachings? The teachings are all on anger. And we should write why does God so speak so much about anger? Okay, so much about anger. The reason is He's saying is that you deal with anger. You can't deal. Sometimes people think, I just feel like killing that fellow. And honestly, the reason is, you see, why is why don't people kill each other? It's only because of the law. Only because of the law. You see, when there was no law, mm. there was no law. Cain
1: killed, Cain killed, Cain the, Cain killed Exactly. Cain killed. Cain killed, exactly. Cain killed. He was angry and he was killed. I mean,
0: yeah, yeah, and the other fellow killed somebody else, Because there is no law restricting. The law against murder comes in Genesis 9. After the flood, God says, if any man takes the blood, his life should be taken. That is when the law is set to stop murder. Genesis 6, the earth is full of violence. That means people are all killing each other. Mm. Nobody, Nothing is there to stop them. Mm. It is literally survival of the fittest, mighty strength. It is what is happening. And when law and order breaks down, you will immediately see mighty strength. That is what happened. So what is that stops us? Okay, I mean I usually don't use psychology psychology, but there is this psychological this thing about a child. It's about a child, a little boy. It says if he had the strength of a man, if he had the strength of a man, he would kill his father and rape his mother. Because he doesn't know the difference. Puff. He doesn't know the difference. Doesn't know the difference. If you look at children, they're like if father comes to mother, he pushes him away. No, my mama. Okay. But he doesn't understand. He has no this thing about it. Okay. The only thing wow. is that he does not have the strength. Mm. But if he had the strength, if he had the strength and not the knowledge, you know what you would that. That's what he would do. Because he does not know how to restrain his desires. He does not know how to control his anger. That's why children throw tantrums because they don't know. That is where the parents are the law. They are the ones who enforce it. So that is how it works. The purpose of the law is only to stop sin. Law cannot deal with iniquity. does not have the power to deal with iniquity. Because iniquity is dealt on the cross. That is where grace comes in and truth comes in. And if you look at John chapter 1 and verse 17,
1: hmm.
0: one of the most important verses in the gospel according to John. The law was given through Moses. But the Bible says grace and truth came through. Jesus did not bring law. He brought the truth. And truth is much, much higher and deeper than law. When Moses came, he only brought law. The Bible doesn't say law and mercy came through Moses. It does not say law and love came through. It doesn't say law and nothing. Law comes stands alone. It doesn't show any mercy. It does not help you at all. It's just letters written, if you do this, you will die. That's all. It doesn't help you. That's the nature of the law. It has. It is like that lady with that by blind eyes. It doesn't see anything as a nature, but that's not how Jesus came. He came with grace. He came with grace, and then he brings truth along with. It. They go together, grace and truth, because truth is deeper than law. If you cannot handle law, you cannot handle truth. If it was written, law was given through Moses, and truth came through Jesus Christ, man would have died. Bah,
1: that's true. Bah.
0: Impossible to live. Mm. But that's not what it says. It says grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Because everybody who's sitting very well, nice and happy under the law saying, I haven't killed anybody, Jesus comes and says, you know what? If you're angry with your brother and you call him raka fool, you're guilty of hellfire gone. Puss. I mean, what hope is there for anybody? That's why he brings grace over there. He says, you know what? Everybody is guilty of blood, blood guilt. Everybody. Yeah you know what, look to the cross, you have mercy. I have taken that blood killed. And that's why the Bible doesn't say, He took our sins. He, says he took our sins, our iniquity, and God our transgression. all three, He has taken on the cross. Everything was taken on the cross. And we are set free. The only way is the new birth. But in the new birth, the same thing. Remember, the old man is still there. Yes, And the old man has to be, be put, put to, to death, death every, every day. day. Otherwise, he will live his life out in sin, iniquity, and transgressions, yes. and if he does not sin, that does not mean iniquity is not there. He's just looking for an opportunity. the minute law is absent, he will sin. all he' is looking for is the law to be absent It does not it does not work for him. So God is not looking at your sin, he's looking at your iniquity. He knows the only reason you don't sin is because there is no law the law is present you don't sin when the that's what paul is writing not only that you're obedient in our presence but much more much more in your acts that knows iniquity has broken over your life that's the proof iniquity has broken over your life you're living under grace you're not living under the law grace has come truth has come you have been set free so it is not what we are in the friend of the law any kind of law children before their parents that's not what they are Children, when the parents are not there, students before the teacher. No, when the teacher goes out and you look in the class, you will see who is under the law and who is walking by truth. There may be one person who is be walking under the truth. Your truth may not receive from the church. He may have received from his home where his father says, when the teacher goes out, you will not be like the other rowdies. You will sit there quiet, remember, I have taught you better. So he remembers his father's word and sits quiet. That is the truth that is setting him free. Truth doesn't directly always come from God. It comes through different people God has set above us. Set above us. How did Joseph know what was right and wrong? His father taught him. him, His father taught him. Now his father is absent. It doesn't make any difference. The law of the father, which is the truth, is still in his mind. And when the point comes, he says, the father is not going to see it. It, 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 It's irrelevant. The father talked about a God who sees. And the God who sees. That's how it works. Daniel or any one of them. So even in the old covenant, you have people... Who are walking in truth, and that's what uh, David's the the psalm which Abel read in the morning It's a very powerful psalm, psalm. nineteen, very very powerful mm. psalm. If you go over to that mm. the, the the final couple of verses in six it, six Yeah, keep G- your
1: servants from presumptuous sins. Yes,
0: that's a very very two Nine, things he s- talks about. Okay, eight. Yeah, you
1: got it. Yes, yes, Pastor. That's it. Eight onwards. The second, yeah. yeah, you can actually. So the last place, Pastor. 12, yeah. twelve, twelve and, 13. 12, 12 and 12,
0: 13. 13. 12, 13, 14. Okay, that's the main. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from sin. He says, You know what? I can't. Until truth comes, I cannot. Now, this is a man who actually desires something. He says, You know what? I may think I am okay, but I am not okay because I cannot understand. My, my my secret error. I cannot understand. It's too deep for me. It's too, only you can. Go, go to 12, go to 12, no? I cannot understand. Who can understand his errors? He says, cleanse me from secret faults. Now, he is not talking about the faults that is secret in him, which he knows others know. He says, no, even I don't know it. I don't know about it. Only you know about it.
1: Yep, yep.
0: Only you know about it. I don't know about it. Okay. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from, basically, when, David is talking about this. You know what? At which point in his life would he have ever thought what he did with Bethsheba? That's not the worst part, honestly. That's not the worst part. What did he did with Uriah was unthinkable. What he did with that man? Just sent, gave him the death certificate in his hand, sent him, and when he died, he says, people die, and while speaking. Who'd have thought this was in him? Did he ever yeah. think this was in him? that he was possible of some. That's what he's talking about. How do we know what we are not capable of? How, what What do we know about ourselves? Yes, it yes. is just the hand of God that is protecting us from doing these mm-hmm. things. But in us, the old man mm-hmm. is the same shame. in every man. He is capable of every vile sin. He is capable because he's born in sin, shaped in iniquity. He's of the devil, who's a liar and a murderer from the beginning. That is the truth about all of us that older man in us. Mm. Education does not change him. Mm. Doesn't change him. Okay, does not change him. Nothing changes that man. That man has to be executed. And then he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Okay, I should not presume. I should not presume. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. And then he says, Let the after all this, then only the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my strength. A so man who understood. He understood. This is he this is who I am. He understood. You know what? The cry of David is answered in the new covenant in Jesus. David is the old covenant man crying for a new covenant experience. Oh. There was one old covenant man, more than anybody else in the Bible, who understood what a new covenant. Was. Yeah. None of them understood it that way. They were still blameless according to the law. law all the others, but no man, like no David. man, like David. Honestly, there's no man. That's why God is rebuilding the tabernacle it's of, of David. David. And as they say, when Jesus comes back and rules, his second-in-command is David. That's what. Years. That's what I thought. Also, thousand years it'll it be David.
1: he will be ruling. He'll be ruling. David will be ruling. He'll be resurrected and be ruling. David will be
0: ruling. Mm. That's what they say. It's yes. not Abraham yeah. or Moses yes. or any. David is going to rule mm. along with him. Yeah. So, and and right when right. we look at it, we can say, wow, that man fell mm. like that and he's going to be cry second commandment. That is what the new birth does. Hallelujah. And you look at Psalm 51, it's a cry of a new birth. Mm. Create in me a yeah, clean heart. Yes. You no, know, it's a new heart. It's mm-hmm. a clean heart. That's a new birth. Okay? So that's where you have, this, have to see iniquity. And hmm. you cannot overcome sin until you know iniquity and deal with iniquity. Hmm. You have to lay, that's what the John the Baptist says, the lay axe the axe to the at root. the root. Otherwise, you trim the branches, that is sin. But the branches will come back. Next spring, the branches will come back. You water the ground, the branches will come back. He says hmm. That's not how you deal with it. You have to lay the axe at the roots. Cut the tree off the roots, it will not come back. And what are the roots? It's iniquity. And iniquity does not necessarily have to manifest uh, pos, not positively, as sins of commission. Iniquity can manifest as sins of omission. There are a lot of people who don't do anything because they are afraid. For the kingdom of God. Fear. Fear. If a man knows what it is right to do and if hmm. he does not do it, it is, it, it is called a sin. John 4.17, but uh, James 4.17, but what does it mean? Fear can stop them. So fear can manifest so many people don't sin at all. You know why? Not because they love God. It's because they are afraid. Mm, They have never taken any risks. They are not even afraid. They are afraid they will be caught. Mm. That is the only reason. And God says, you are still not cautious. So if I remove the situation where you will not be caught, will you do it? And he may do it. He may do it. Mm. Okay. So that's, that's... okay. So you need to realize it manifests in so many, so many ways. And that fear, actually fear, a very slavish kind of fear. But fear is the first thing. Two things that came in when man fell. The first two things that came in was, one was fear, the other was shame. And these two things drive mankind. Most of the things people do is because of fear. Fear of loss, fear of this thing. Fear, everything they are driven by fear... Or they're driven by shame. Yeah. To cover their shame, they do a whole, these fig leaves which we create. Education has become a fig leaves. Money. So Zacchaeus' prosperity was a fig leaf to cover his insecurity. And God just tell, come down. I mean, it's very interesting. He's going through Jericho. There are crowds on every side. Zacchaeus cannot see because he's too short. And then he hopes nobody will see him. Climbs up the psychometry and Jesus stops and looks at him and tells, come down. He's been exposed. There you are, up there, clinging onto the top of the, <laughs> the <come down. laughs> okay, You have an exposed. I am coming to your house. These two things, honestly, if you look at it, these two things drive mankind. It is fear and it is shame. These two. When Christ comes and deals with it. He says, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be ashamed anymore. Your father in heaven has accepted you. You don't have to be. Samaritan, no one is free. No more shame. No more fear of rejection. Mm. All five men rejected her, living with the sixth man. You don't know whether, when he will reject her. He's living in rejection and in shame. Nobody wants to be identified with her. Nobody will come with her to draw a bucket of water. And Christ comes and says, you know what? You don't have to worry about rejection. You're always scared, right? I know everything about you. I know your entire life. You had five husbands and you are living with the sixth one and have come and have waited for you. You are not rejected. You are accepted. We can leave that lifestyle. That's what it means symbolically. Mm-hmm. She left a watering pot there and ran. Her whole life is gone. Now I am going to a new life. I don't need to come to Jacob's well over and mm-hmm. over again because I have encountered the fountain of life. Mm-hmm. And she says, come and see this man. He told everything about me not reject me. There is neither rejection, oh, no fear of rejection, nor shame. Shame has been covered. If God has covered you, it doesn't matter who uncovers. It doesn't matter. It is not there in history. The history has been wiped out. Man can say whatever they want on us, but when you go on to the other side, you will realize there was no record. Not even in the memoristic is there. Wow. Nobody even knows what you did. It's, it simply does not exist. Mm. That is what it means, justified. The final part, fifth part of justification is just, uh, just as, if as if you never sinned. It's not there. It's no record. It's taken away. That's what God is talking about. So you have to deal with iniquity. Okay. But it's easier to deal with an iniquity when the children are born to believing parents because the parents understand it and lead the child as early yes, as also. possible to a real living knowledge of jesus christ and lead them to a personal relationship and christ will take them through
1: amen amen pastor there's another question on the same lines uh, you can possibly address this i think you already addressed it in part but maybe practically this is question number 11 next just exactly the next question how does one go on and on and not get angry and not want to give up please help me understand this you must be knowing this person better.
0: yeah See, the Bible, again, we, we have addressed this, but it keeps on coming, because we are living in an extremely angry generation. Okay, Angry generation. So, we need to, the Bible does say, be angry. But it also says, do not sin. So, the first question, when you are angry, you need to ask yourself, why are you angry? The first question God asks, outside the garden. First question. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? You will say because so and so happened. Okay, that's fine. But my question to everybody is saying is that so and so has been happening for 6,000 years. Were you always angry? Mm. Or you were angry because it happened to you? Affecting you. Exactly. Mm. When God says be angry... That anger is always because you love righteousness and hate wickedness. But when you are angry because of not that, because that wickedness has touched you, then your anger is wrong. You need to go back and say, Lord, you know what? I know what happened is bad, but I'm more upset because it's affecting me. Therefore, I have an idol in my heart. I have an idol in my heart. The idol is either me or my wife my children, or my grandchildren, or whatever. It touched something that was close to me, and therefore I am upset. But when it was touching all the others, I was never upset, mm. because it has been happening, or that's what God is asking. So we need to analyze. Sometimes we are angry only because it happens to us. When something worse happens somewhere else, it doesn't bother us. Like I said about uh, the terrorism that happens in Kashmir, every day we hear bomb blast, blah, blah, But I remember 20 years back, I think, no, 20, 2004, when it came home, and Pastor Walson's brother was shot dead in Kashmir, we were all in Hages then, when he was shot dead, when the news came in, it came home. We had lost one of our own. Since Kashmir was suddenly no more far away, it was home. Bah. It had reached home. Kashmir is not far away. It is not a news headline. This is a young man who just got married six months ago. We were all in the youth camp to, um, to, together. He and I shared the same um, room for seven days because I was taking the youth camp, the ages winter camp, and he was my roommate. We sat through the night talking, this thing, and then two months, three months later, you realize. And one week before he died, he calls me from Kashmir, speaks with me, we pray. One week later, you realize he went on an operation and he's been shot, dead, and the body comes. So suddenly Kashmir is not far away. Suddenly you look at terrorism in a different light. In a different light, okay? But terrorism was always there. Mm. Only that day it came home. Okay, so, so that's what God is talking about. He says. That should actually awaken you. It has touched me now. The evil that was always in the world that has touched me. Now, I should not be angry because it has touched me. I should be angry because it was always evil. Mm. Now you have a cause. Now you have a cause. You have a cause. And you need to realize. That is how you look at stuff. Otherwise, you know what? Evil is all around. That's why the Bible doesn't say uh, Jesus hated the evil that affected him. No, just he just it,
1: hated evil, just period. Hated mm. And he loved
0: righteousness. Mm. So it does not matter where the evil was, he hated it. And where the righteousness was, he loved it. No? He, see. So when he looked at the poor, and he had compassion on them. He had always compassion on them. When he looked at the Pharisees, he was angry. He was angry with the Pharisees. But that's not the way we would be. We would be very happy with the Pharisees. And we would be angry with the sinners. But Jesus wasn't. He had always had compassion on them because he says, you know what, they are sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And he looked at them and said, these guys won't do anything to help them. They're becoming a stumbling block. And he was angry at them. He was angry at them. So if you look at him, he's very, very impartial, very, very clear about it. So it doesn't matter in whom he saw it, he dealt with it. So it didn't matter whether it was a Pharisee or, but how he dealt with people would be different. The woman caught in adultery. He's harsh. He says, is there anybody to condemn me?" She says, no. He says, I don't, you. I don't condemn you. I haven't come to condemn. I have come to say it. But the next time I come around, if you haven't changed, I'm sorry. I will have to condemn you. Yes. But right now I have a word for you. Go and sin no, no more. more. Sin no more. But with the Pharisees, if you look, his attitude is different. So we have to look at these things. Because if you don't look at it, what happens is that, you know, we won't be consistent in our spiritual life. We won't be consistent in our spiritual life. We will always awaken only when it touches us. If it doesn't touch us, we are good, we are bothered. But we have to be, we have to be bothered. We have to be bothered. Okay, we have to listen. It's like David. David is in the wilderness. He has no clue what is happening in uh, Judea. So when he comes over there, when he hears this man, he's immediately awakened. He says, what's wrong with you guys? How can you get this challenge just unanswered? He says, what will be given to a man who will kill this fellow? Okay, But every time he's a and his situation does not matter. Okay, Saul is chasing him. He has killed all the prophet, all the priests, 70 priests in Nob, and all the men and women and children, the priests, families, everything. And David is hiding in, and then he gets this news. Do you know the Philistines are affect, uh, attacking Kalia? And he goes to God and says, should I fight them? Wow. Zealous, consistent. I mean, he's very consistent. Mm, yes. he's very, I mean, who in a situation like this would want to take somebody's battle? It's not even my battle to heck he's with them. I, I am too much in my depression. Just leave me alone. I got my he says, no, that's still a battle. Evil is evil. It doesn't matter who it happens to. Can I go fight? You have equipped me, you have anointed me, and my anointing is for that purpose. Maybe people don't accept the anointing, but you have anointed me. I hear the news. Should I fight? God says, Go fight. I will give you the victory. And when he asked them, will these people hand me over to Saul? God yes. says, David, is he upset with them? No, he's not He just moves away. Yes. Because you are not fighting for them. You're fighting because oh, the cause oh, is right.
1: Yes, 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 yes. yes.
0: Because if you're looking to people, you will stop fighting. You look to God, you will keep fighting. There is a cause. <laughs> that's why man always needs a cause bigger, bigger than, than him. himself. Mm. And the biggest cause God, that's why Jesus said, you know what? If you pray and that prayer changes your mindset, It's about my name, my kingdom, and my will. You will run. You will run. You will run because you know what. Now you are angry with the devil. You are angry with the devil, and you know what. You. I mean, you never see people being angry with the devil. They are angry with other people. They are angry with God. They are angry with the consequences. But the fellow who is behind, and they are not angry with themselves. There are two people you need to be angry with. One with the devil, two with yourself. (laughs) (laughs) These two they won't be. Because honestly, if you look at yourself, I mean, we have regret. I wish. Okay, I wish. If we had only done better. Which is true. Okay, now what are you doing about it now? Are you doing better now? Are you fighting yourself now that I can do better now? And God is for you in this. Are you angry with yourself? Are you angry with the devil? You know, anger. That's what the kingdom of God advances with violence. Violence against whom? The devil's kingdom. Devil's kingdom. Your battle is not with flesh and blood, but your battle is against powers of darkness. So the simple thing is that when you are angry over a cause... You need to look and say, what is the best that I can do in this battle? Hmm. How do I join this battle? That is what each one, there is a battle that is taking place between good and evil, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There is a battle taking place. How do I join this battle? We have been called to preach and teach. That's our battle. We have been called to pray. Everybody has been called to pray. That is everybody's battle. But other than that, what do I do? How do I be part of God's army? because the army is in battle. That's what you need to ask. How do? And the gifts are given for how do you how do you actually uh, cause damage to the enemy? How do you cause damage to the enemy? Okay? When David Ziglac was burned, he is pursuing six hundred men. Two hundred are tired. okay. And David doesn't get discouraged. He says, okay, you are tired, you cannot run. Okay, I will give you some other job. Okay, you can still be part of this battle. You know what? Take your luggage off. Wow. Lighten yourself. Okay? Give it all to them. All we need is our sword and our shield. Let's go. We can, army uh, can march faster fast when off. they are lighter. Give the luggage to them. Okay, All our baggage, give it to them. Let's go faster. So he's thinking very wisely. So when they are sitting there with their luggage, they're still part of the battle. Mm. That's why when they come back, they said, these rascals won't be given. And he says, nope, everybody gets their reward. Everybody gets their reward. So you need to realize, where am where am I in this battle? What do you want me to do in this battle? And this part of mine, Lord, I will give my 100%. That is what so what is the battle all about? what is it fighting for? He's trying to save the captives. Right. let us let us go to Luke chapter four, where Jesus first message chapter four okay verse sixteen to eighteen. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. "Okay, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set all at liberty, those who are oppressed. Manifesto of the kingdom is proclaimed here. This is the manifesto of the kingdom. This is what the kingdom does. Okay, Now going back to verse 16. He came where? So there is a place. And then he he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day. What did he do? He stood up to Mm. read. what happened? He was given the book of prophets. So there is a synagogue. There is a set of people. He stood up to read. The rabbi accepted his, his standing up. So there are so many people involved in this proclamation. There is a town. There is a place, mm. the set of people, mm. the of by over there. Mm. They're all part of the same process. Mm. So if you don't have any one of them, where does he stand? Stand in the street corner and say it's the Spirit of the Lord, who's there to hear you?
1: Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Who
0: is there to hear you? So everybody that's why the Bible says how can they believe unless they are here? But how can they hear unless somebody that's preaches? Something. But how can they preach unless they are sent? Splend. So there is this whole logistics. Chain, yeah. and in this chain, you need to know where do I belong. Where do I belong? And if you are faithful to the place where you belong, nobody may notice you. It's irrelevant. God notices you. If you are faithful to where you belong, you know what? Your reward will be the same as somebody who is seen. Somebody is seen. Go to the book of uh, First Samuel. Hmm. I'll show you a man whose name we do not know. First Samuel chapter 14 and verse 6 and
1: 7
0: Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor Come, let us go over to the garrison of this uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. What does he say? So his armor bearer said to him Do all that is in your heart. Go then here I am with you according to your heart. That's it. That's it. Do we know his name? No. no. But he's part of the battle. As much part of the battle has Jonathan. Okay. Look in verse 13. This uh, uh, 12 to 13. Okay. 12, 12. 12 13. Yes, sir. Then the men of the garrison called out to Jonathan his armor bearer and said, Come up to us. We will show you something. Jonathan sent his armor bearer. Come up after me. For the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed upon his hands and knees while his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. He came after him and his armor bearer killed them.
1: (laughs) Combination.
0: (laughs) Who's killing them? He's knocking them out. This fellow is killing them. Do we know the armor bearer? Do we know his name? No. But in that day, victory was bought by two. But we know only one name. But both are equal in recipients of the glory. In God's eyes. So one person's name we may know. Another person's name we may not know. There may be one person who may be known in the church. Another person who is behind the scenes. Like we will go up on the pulpit and we will preach. But how many people are there behind the pulpit, behind the scenes, to see that this word that is preached even now reaches the people. Yeah. reaches the people. So each one has to. There are certain things which are common to all of us. and That is, we pray. That cannot be taken off. Everybody is in the prayer battle. You have to pray. If you don't pray, you will die spiritually. You have to pray. Other than that, that's what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, offer your bodies. First, offer your bodies. Two, let your mind be renewed. You will understand what is the good, pleasing, perfect will of God. And after that, three onwards, is talking about various functions in the body of Christ. And let it be in proportion to your faith. Don't bite more than you can Mm. chew. I still remember degree first year in my single hostel room, I had that poster about a little puppy trying to bite something which was bigger than his mouth. And it was written, don't bite more than you can chew. (laughs) And a lot of people try that in the kingdom of God. They don't do it in the world. But when it comes to the kingdom of Mm -hmm. God where they should not, Mm -hmm. they jump in and take Mm -hmm. something and then realize, I did not know what I was getting into. Mm. Don't buy it more than you can chew. In English, we will say, I don't know which poet or who said it. Fool's Russian where mm. angels fear to tread. Alexander Pope. Yeah, okay. mm. Fool's Russian where angels fear to tread. Mm. Okay. So don't get into it. According to the you should have a very good evaluation of your own faith Go to Romans twelve three and four. Measure I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. First, be very careful. Mm. Don't think too highly about yourself. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ Jesus <laughs> who strengthens me, which is true, but is it true about you? <laughs> that is scripture. That is scripture. Paul said it. true about Paul. Mm. Can you... He's sitting in the prison and saying that you get one from the lathe of the policeman, you run for your (laughs) life. And you say, I can do all things. (laughs) Is it true? (laughs) Okay, it is not true. So don't think. Highly, take it. Be very, very sober. Have a very sober estimate, estimate about yourself. Okay,
1: that is important to very
0: <laughs> sober <laughs> estimate about yourself. As God has dealt to each one a measure, a measure of, of faith. faith. For we have many members in one body. All members do not have the same. We are one body. One army. But not the same function. Verse 5. Okay. For so being many are one body in Christ. Individually members of one another. Having then gifts Differing according to the grace that is given to us, (laughs) let us use them. Look, if prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to our faith. That is what happens. The prophet is told one line, then he sees the zeal of the congregation, add six lines to it. They forget the first line. They take the next six lines, run it with it. That was not from God. That was from Him. And there is chaos at the church because He did not prophesy <laughs> according, according to His faith. <laughs> this is what happens. Basically, everything in the kingdom of God, people should grow slowly, slowly. accordingly. Yeah? No? That's what God is saying, no? Grow. Take hold of it. Grow. Take hold. Take hold of it. Grow. Take hold of it. Don't suddenly shoot <laughs> up like that. And you suddenly, I mean, people say, I want a church of 10,000 people. Mm. Yeah, but you won't be able to handle them. All you're having is a political rally. That is what happens. These mega churches are political rallies. There is nothing happening over there. Pastor doesn't know sheep. Sheep doesn't know pastor. Pastor has no clue what is happening with them. It is just one mega political rally. But that is not. how. <laughs> When Jesus told about sheep, he put a number called 100 there. Do you know he put a number? If you have 100 sheep, Mm. one gets lost. That's it. Okay, Okay, we'll say 3000 got saved, but how many were there on that day? 120. 120 were there. You take 3000 and divide it by 12 apostles, you still don't get a huge number. But there were more than 12 apostles, disciples, there were more than that. Okay, like, let's put 20 women out. There were 100 men. So they were for Mm 3,000... How many you have? 300 Yeah. You do not even 300. You have only 30 Mm -hmm. per person. So they're able to disciple. Okay, they're able to disciple. You don't, the whole idea is if you have a mega church of 10,000 people, how are you going to disciple them? Jesus had trouble discipling 12 people Mm -hmm. and one still left. (laughs) <laughs> Jesus. But discipling is a very huge, it's not an easy problem. It's not an easy, it's not an easy thing. It's a very difficult thing. Very difficult thing. It's not an easy thing. So we need to look at so everything has to be in proportion to your faith. Okay? So that's what the Bible is talking about. We need to have a very, very sober evaluation of ourselves, and we should be. We have very, very, very good sound judgment about ourselves and find our place and be satisfied with that and be the best we can be. Don't jump. Don't jump. Don't jump. Because you know what? This is a battle. Yes. This is a battle. Okay. That's what God was talking about. When they asked for Saul, he said, they rejected me. Four times. Four times. And Saul couldn't handle the pressure. Saul couldn't handle the pressure. If you look at it, Saul, he was suddenly picked, anointed and made can because he looked tall and handsome. And Samuel also hugged and kissed him and he was very happy and all. Because Samuel is working under depression because none of his children are kosher. <laughs> Bad and he's very upset. I am successful as a prophet. I am successful as a priest, I am successful as a judge, but I am terrible as a father. My children don't follow me. And then he finds this handsome young man, he says, You know what, I love you so much. Maybe you are the Lord's anointed. At least I can say my spiritual son succeeded. That will also will fail.
1: Ba, 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 ba.
0: Okay, so he loved Saul. He loved Saul. And God will say, Why are you grieving our soul? <laughs> I am not grieving our Saul. Why are you grieving our soul? Thank God is an obedient servant. And but that what's an issue? I always have an issue with first Samuel. Yeah, there's a portion in first Samuel. Okay, it's very sad. It's very, very sad. First Samuel. There's a place remember uh, yeah. First uh, Samuel chapter nineteen. First hmm? Samuel chapter nineteen. Okay. Verse eighteen. So David fled, escaped, went to Samuel at Rama, told him all that Saul had done, and he and Samuel went and stayed in Ayotha. Keep reading, okay? Now it was told Saul that, take no David is at Nayoth in Rama. Saul sent messengers to take David. But when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, Samuel standing as a leader over them, the spirit of the Lord came upon the messengers of Saul. They also prophesied. <laughs> when Saul was told, he sent other messengers. They prophesied like this. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time. They prophesied also. <laughs> then he also went to Rama, came to the great well that is at Sheku. So he asked, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed, they are at Nayoth in Rama. So he went there to Nayoth in Rama. Then the spirit of the Lord was upon him also. He went on and prophesied until he came to Nayoth in Rama. And he also stripped off his clothes, prophesied before Samuel in like manner, lay down naked all day and all night. Therefore they say, Esau also among the prophets. You got it? Mm. Okay. Look at verse chapter 20 and verse 1. And David fled to Nayoth in Rama. Why did he go? Why did Samuel let him go? He shouldn't have left. He was absolutely safe there. Even Saul couldn't touch him there. Because the anointing was so strong in that place because of Samuel. Nobody could touch David. That's where he should have stayed. And Samuel shouldn't have let him go. He stay here. No harm will come to you. As long as I'm here, he won't be able to touch you. Okay. And the reason is, you know why? I look at it personally, you know, his emotions are still attached to Saul and not with David. Not with David. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, you look at David's life, there are so many places where a person, if he had taken a very sound decision connecting with David, his life would have been different. First was Saul. Okay. It's only between me and Samuel. Nobody knows I have been rejected. And God is working it out. I can sit quietly, transit over here. Here is a young man. He loves me. He's very loyal, David. My daughter loves him. The soldiers love him. The My king loves him. Yes, My eldest son loves him. him. No issues. When I'm old, I will say, let David become king. And Jonathan, nobody would have known. But that's the nature of God's love. Love covers. Love covers. God doesn't expose his children. He exposes only when they are rebels. Live in their rebels. When they refuse, God said they don't have no choice. I have to expose you. Otherwise, it would have been second was here. He just had to stay under Samuel. Saul still feared Samuel. Saul wouldn't have dared to go against Samuel. those are prophets. Those are not some small people. Mm. They are big guys. You know, Elisha and all the kings are afraid of him. Wow. That's why God asking Elijah, Why did you run? Mm. They are afraid of you. What What is Samuel going to do to you? Why did you run? You forgot all the anointing that is over you. Why did you run? What are you doing here? This a question is asking. So we need to understand this is how it works. This is how it's to work. We have to find our place in God's kingdom. Once we have found our place, next thing we need to realize, ask his Lord. Lord, keep on increasing my anointing to do That's this work. work. And I will not step Cross my boundaries. Amen. 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 That's what happened to Saul. He got anointed, then he tried to become a priest yeah. and all that things, but he was not called for that. This is what I've been called, and I will not do it with my strength. Anoint me, Lord. Anoint me for this, even if it's a small thing, doing with the camera or the sound system. This thing. Anoint me for that purpose. because so there is something, because you need to you need to ask this question. Because these are fundamental questions you need to ask. Peter, the anointing is heavy on Peter. And people put their sick on the sidewalk. For what? For the shadow of Peter to fall. Not Peter to touch. He's too busy. He has no time even to touch or lay hands. But people's faith has been aroused. And the Bible says his shadow falls and they are healed. Right? Now let me ask you. Does shadow have substance? No substance? No. But can anointing rest on something which does not have substance? Yes. Yes. Can your transmission have anointing? Yes. Yes. Do you believe in it? Wow. Yes, that's the point. Do you believe in it? Mm. That is how you look at it. Mm. So it does not see anointing is Mm. not constrained by matter. Mm. It is not constrained by space. It is not constrained by time. We may be preaching today. Or speaking today. Or giving an answer today. But if the anointing rests upon it. Somebody may listen in the year 2023 and get delivered. Why? It had nothing to do with man. It has got to do with God. Hallelujah. That's how it rests. And that is how you function. And that's the first thing Jesus says. He stands there in his hometown. And he says, you know what? You and I are the same. We grew up in the same place. You know me. But you know what is different? The spirit of the Lord. Was anointed. anointed me. That's what is different. I have an anointing over my life. That's what David made different. David was just a shepherd boy from Bethlehem. What made him different? He was anointed. What made Saul different? He was anointed. The Bible says when he was anointed, a different spirit came upon him. The spirit of God came upon him. There's something which is called an anointing. The anointing is for any work which God has called you for. Call you you, and you have to this thing, and you know what? That is how you channel your anger. You channel your anger. You. you never lose your zeal for God. Amen. One thing you have to, God, you do not lose your zeal for God. You never. One of the things I always ask when I go on mission ground, familiar mission ground, is that after it's over, I will ask them, "What do you say? I want you to know, have I lost my zeal? You have seen me." They said, No. said, I never want to because the minute you lose, you lose. Pack up and leave because you should not lose your zeal because you cannot have a bigger cause in life than the kingdom of God. Amen. It's an eternal cause. The highest cause. That's what the Bible saw text about Jesus. It did not matter. The seal of the Lord had consumed me. And it is not about just cleansing the temple. It is also going to to
1: the cross. cross. Yes. He was zealous about his his
0: face like a flea. That's it. Mm. You know, he's going to his death and he's zealous about it. Oh, you know what? This is how I bring glory to my father. This is how I fulfill my father's will. I go to the cross and I die. And he put every voice and rebuked them by saying, no, you don't understand the purpose of God. That zeal you should not lose. Mm. That zeal you should not lose. That's how you channel your anger. We have to be angry. But we have to be consistent in our anger. We have to be consistent in our anger.
1: Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's one question on prayer because you mentioned that. I want to take that question first. Question number 13 before 12. We'll take 13 before 12. This is question number 12. Uh, Relational prayer leads to personal transformation. Hmm. I realize coming to God in this way creates space in me that the spirit always fills. I may not know what is happening. It is like nature. The spirit always fills a vacuum. How do we constantly fill this vacuum? Yes, with the word of God. But would you also say, in communication with God, pray 24 by 7. Please give us some wisdom on this.
0: Thank you. Okay. Let me put it across, Salman. How do I put it across? It's neither the word of God or prayer. You missed. Finding this strange, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Go to Psalm 119, the most, the longest Psalm in the Bible. I want to get this very, very clear, okay? Psalm 119, verse 1 onwards. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Okay, They also do iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. That's enough. I mean, the whole psalm, you can go through it or any of David's psalms. You know, the simple example, I mean, I used to teach my students when I used to do spoken English class in the University of Central University. The one lesson I used to tell them is that it's be spoken English. No? So I used to tell them you cannot speak flat. If you f- speak flat, you lose meaning. The other person has to assume the meaning. So simple. You know it because I have done it. look at this, okay? If I say this is my uh, this is my new phone. This is my new phone. Five words, five meanings. But depends upon how i say it this is my new phone not this 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 is my new phone it is not it was it's still mine this is my new phone not yours this is my new phone not old this is my new phone not something else when you read scripture you need to realize why david is different from the others Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his, his ways. ways. You, ha- you have commanded us to keep your yeah, precepts sir. diligently. You know why this man was different? Because he was not loving, he was not in love with the word of God. He was, he was in love person. with the God person. of the word. Yes, If you don't love God, Shakespeare is more interesting than the Word of God. I can read Shakespeare and enjoy it, but I cannot enjoy the Bible because I confront a person. Hallelujah. I confront a person in the Word of God. People do not read the Word of God. It's because they confront a person. Mm. My relationship is with the person, not the Word. It is with the person. If I don't encounter him, I'm just fascinated with the book. And I have been fascinated with books all my life. But this book is different because you meet a person. And David is always talking about the person. Mm. It is not talking about his loss. Mm. It's talking about that person. Because if you do not talk, love the person, you will become a Pharisee who is in love with the law and not with the Lord. Mm. And therefore, the Pharisee will show no compassion at all. But Jesus, who gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, comes and shows so much compassion because he's in love with his father. That is the difference you need to understand. The vacuum is filled by up person. It is not filled by prayer. It is not filled by the word of God. It is filled by God. You can read and memorize the entire word of God, fill your mind and yet have God not in your heart. That was the Pharisees. They had memorized it all but their hearts were empty. There was no God of the word in them. Mm. When Psalm 23 David says he says the Lord is
1: my shepherd.
0: That's the reason. He's my shepherd. Therefore I will not want then it doesn't matter where he takes me. He can take me the valley of shadow, green, pastures still water. The thing is that he's one consistent feature in my life. His entire relationship is with the person of God. And that is what Jesus is bringing in the new covenant. He says, you know what? He does not say, if you keep my commandments, you love me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say that. He says, if you love me. Mm-hmm. If you love me. Though keeping his commandments is the Functional proof of it. That's not what he actually says. He says, if you look at John chapter 14. verse 21. 21. That's what the first commandment is. Love me with all your heart. Okay. Love me with your heart. He says, okay. Not 21. Not 21. Mm -hmm. That comes afterwards. (laughs) Just before that. I'll give you chapter 14. And, sorry. I did a Bhutani. Verse 15. Forty. Okay. If you love me, keep my commandments. So do you love? Me? He didn't ask Peter any question. He asked only really one question: Peter, do you love me? Mm. Doctrine, theology, anointing—all that is later. There are a lot of people with doctrine. There are a lot of people with gifts. There are a lot of people with anointing. Who don't love him? Mm. <laughs> that is not the question God is asking God is asking do you love me because you know I love you
1: Mm.
0: I love you and I have proved my love for you okay the simple question is you know it all do you love me you need to realize from John chapter 13 to 14 he is exposing his heart to them he is telling them things which he has never told them before He's not telling you to the crowds. He's not telling you to the 70. He's telling you to 7, 11 people. You've been with me for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. I have taught you for three and a half years. But now I'm talking to you something. This is about relationship. You read from 13, 31, if I'm right is when Jesus starts teaching. John 13, 31. The Bible says. So when he had gone out. Okay? When he had gone out. Who's gone out? Judas is gone. He says, now the Son of Man is glory. Then only he begins his teaching. And the entire teaching from John 31 till his high priestly prayer in John 17 is about a personal relationship with him. It is all relational. There is nothing great doctrine there. Mm. You don't look for doctrine there. There is no great doctrine there. He says everything is, you know, how my father loved me and how I love my father. I'm telling you, I love you the same Mm. way. I want you to love the same way. And my father also loves you. Love the same. It is mm. all relational. Everything Mm. is relations. Father in me, I in my father, we in you, it's all relational. And that is how the vacuum is filled. And he doesn't tell them this till the end. And tell them till the end. Now he has trained them everything he turned. That's why the Bible Paul will Paul. I don't know how he understood this stuff. Mm. I do believe we don't, we can't get into his mind, but I do believe he really loved God, mm. even as a Pharisee. As a Pharisee. Because you see, he was very he zealous was for, for Yahweh. Yahweh. And he actually, that's what he said, what I did, I did out of ignorance. In his ignorance, he thought the Christians were against the living God. And he's not going after Gentiles, he's only going after the Jews. And he says, how can he go against this? He's got that zeal like David. Who is these uncircumcised Philistines You dare defy the armies of the living God. Mm. And he's like, who are these circumcised Jews who are going in this way, which is against Yahweh? I will stop. And he's very jealous for his God. Jesus encounters it and he says, you know what? It's me. And his zeal just... And he goes to the same fire now towards, but he understands also the gospel. Here he was going to kill. Now he understands the new covenant is not killing. It's laying down your life. And he lays down his life. But his heart was always right.
1: Yeah, he also mm-hmm. says, and I, have, I bear record of my brother that they have zealous zeal for God, but there's not according to knowledge. No jealous, no? They have so, zeal. zeal no? mm-hmm.
0: That's the whole thing. The whole thing is centered around love. So how do you, this thing is into a personal relationship with God. One on one relationship with God. Okay. And you have to find in the old covenant man, that man is David. You see, why is he so upset about his sin?
1: Because nobody
0: is be. bothered about his sin. Kingdom is at peace. Palace is at peace. Everybody is, nobody is bothered. Why is he bothered? He's not bothered about his sin. He's bothered about his relationship. Yeah. It's about about his relationship. That's why he's saying, you know, take whole don't spirit. take your Holy, Holy Spirit, spirit. from me. Where can I hide from you? Saul doesn't even ask any of these questions. It is not, we are not presuming that Saul did not know the law. Every Jewish boy knew the law. They grew up like that. The problem is, most of the people in the Bible never loved God. Never loved God. Okay. Abraham loved God. Okay. Isaac loved God. Jacob Jacob. learns to love God. Joseph loves God. Moses Moses loved God. God. Moses Mm. loved God. But when it comes to a relation, why is that after a doctrine, everything we learn from everything, why is that when it comes to the final part of it, the relational part of man with God, we learn from David. And we don't learn it from anybody else. Mm, You cannot learn. You learn service and everything from others. Relational thing you don't even learn from Moses. Mm. Though we have little parts, patterns. everything is from David, and it's big. And why is he able to come back? And why is he able to be restored? Why is God with him till the end? And he's still able to till his end. He's able to fulfill. Because if you look at this, you know, he says one thing about it. This is a man after my own heart. That is the thing. You no, know? doing the will is the second part. He said, "This man is after my heart." The heart is the seat of your love. Love God with all your heart is how it begins. And he says, you know what? This man. Hmm. So this is a man God can say anything. He doesn't get offended. Yep. Because he loves him. That's it. Like, mm, okay. Demotion, him. promotion, mm-hmm. nothing, nothing matters to him. Okay. He doesn't get offended. Because he after God
1: and not them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He not, not after any anything. of these things. He enough. is after
0: God. Mm-hmm. He is after God. Okay. And that is the key. How do you fill this vacuum? You're not looking even at the results of your ministry. Yes. Your results of a ministry are irrelevant. Because we don't even know what these results are going to be like. Somebody gets saved, we get so excited. Oh, hallelujah, my ministry is successful. Two days later he falls away. You are depressed. So we don't even know about this thing. The only thing we need to look at is you know, at the end of the day you go back into your privacy and you know, is this the reward happy with me? Mm. It's a person. It's a person that has been given to us. And he said, He's just like, like me. me. That is the key. Ah,
1: this, what a statement that's what
0: um, Paul says. I don't know. Long, I no longer want to know like Jesus in, in, the in the flesh. flesh yes. I don't want to know even Jesus in mm. the flesh. Because you realize, knowing Jesus in the flesh is a dangerous mm. thing. Because he can be with you only in one place. The old Jesus who came in the flesh. But you know what? Jesus in the spirit is with me all. the And Paul was one man in the new covenant. So you, I mean, for me, one of those relational, like Pastor was talking about Romans and Ephesians has doctrinal texts. But Philippians is a personal text where you will see that, you know what, God is with him Mm -hmm. and he's not bothered at all. He's in chains. Yeah. He is not born. And Philippians is talking about one thing. He says, "This is what I am after. I am after Christ, because yeah. I, I know Christ was after me." It is a relational episode, and he says, "I can do all things through Christ." No, I can. I know how to abound. I know how to abase. He says, "The Lord is near, and let your gentleness be just because you are among these Romans and thugs and criminals. You still can be gentle. Don't look at them and become like a." Brutish beasts like the Roman soldiers or the criminals of city. know that these are not the people who are really near you. The one who is near you he is the Lord. Lord. The Lord is near you. Let your gentleness be evident. Mm-hmm. So he's absolutely conscious about the presence of God. And his situation does not change. It, because when people go through trouble, you see when you reach it, when you come into eternity, there is only one thing that will matter. I am talking about believers the only one thing that will matter in eternity is how close were you to God on earth? Mm-hmm. It's not even your work. Yep. How close were you to God on earth is the only thing that will matter. Bah. Just write it down oh. in your heart, pick, pick up uh, Lazarus and the rich man. Can you have that? Luke book? 16. Luke 16. Can we go up over there? I want to show you something there. Lord was showing me I mean these are stuff which you know but you forget and he reminds you no? got it look Richman, yeah we'll read uh, from words uh, yeah got it Verse. yeah sorry verse uh, 19 onwards maybe somebody new is listening who doesn't know There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fine linen, fed sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of swords, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his swords. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Being in torments and hates, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus in his bosom. Okay, now go back to verse 22. and Can we have 22 and 23 together? Okay, so the beggar died. Lazarus died. Okay, and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. I want you to come back to that. Okay, so hold it there. I'll give you another verse to put. John chapter 1. And verse 18, I
1: think. He was in the father's bosom,
0: right, Yeah, that is verse 18. 18, yeah, sorry, verse 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Okay. So if you go to the old covenant concept, because people haven't reached heaven, they are in paradise. Okay. Abraham is a type of God, the father. God the Father. Now go back to Luke in the verse twenty-two. Okay, the beggar died and was first carried by what? Angels. By angels, not angel. Hmm. He's being escorted by a company of angels. Why? Because he had an absolutely close, intimate relationship with God, though he was a beggar. Because he goes to Abraham's bosom, not to Abraham. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not an angel that is asked to send him; a company of angels are sent because he is going to Abraham's bosom. While the other man sees Abraham far away, and again it is written, Lazarus in his bosom. So your state on earth does not matter. What matters in eternity is your intimacy with God. How close you are. To God. How close you are. So when Lazarus dies, when the rich man dies, he was buried. Lazarus died. It's not an angel that is sent, mm. it's a company of angels that is sent yeah. Yeah. intimacy. Mm. And it's in Abraham's bosom. Okay. Mm. That is what really really matters. That's the answer to the question. How do you fill the vacuum? It's not with prayer, it's not with the word, it's with the person. Mm. So when that's what Jesus is asking, you know, you search the scriptures. What are you looking for? for? Are you looking for me? When you go into your prayer closet, what are you looking for? Oh, yes. okay, what are you oh, looking for? Okay, the first ambas thing, ambas the most important part of your prayer closet is not your prayer. Hmm. It's hearing. The first thing is L. It's listening. It's not speaking. It's not speaking. It's listening. Because there is somebody, because you know what, When, when you are interested in a relationship, how do you know somebody is interested in having a relationship with you? The person listens to you. Mm-hmm. Tsk, listens to you. you and people are not interested in a relationship. Like when you go to a doctor, he's not interested in a relationship. First, he wants to know from the counter did the person pay the fee. <laughs> 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 okay. After that, he will listen very carefully. This. Oh, yes, uh, okay. Okay. He's not in a relationship. He is listening only to know your troubles so that he can give you the prescription. But if you are interested in a relationship, the thing is that you know what the person listens to the other person. The simple thing is that people rush in, rush out of prayer closets. Yeah, but important. those who are interested in a relationship, they are they are talking to God.
1: They just linger in His presence. They are listening to God.
0: They are waiting. Mm. Sometimes you have to wait to hear from God. Okay. Waiting to hear from God. Okay, and that's an, some. <laughs> this, this things about I don't know. I always like this young man called David. Okay, yeah. this, I mean, he was closest to God, Master. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> this, 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 this. There are simple things about David. Okay, uh, when um. Uh, First Samuel chapter 17. Uh, let's read for 16, 21 first. 21, 22. So David came to Saul, stood before him. He loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. Which oh, boy, 16-year-old boy... Okay, 17 year old boy gets a chance to be in the king's service. Now go to chapter 17. Back to, back to the wilderness. Verse 15. Back to the wilderness. David occasionally went mm. and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep in that land. He loved his sheep. He loved his sheep. <laughs> That's the point. He loved his sheep. I mean, which boy would want to spend time with his sheep uh, the, than to be in the king's palace, you know? his relationship. And God is looking at this young boy and he says, you know what, his relationship with his sheep, this fellow will leave the palace to be with his sheep. He will risk his life to save a mm. sheep or a lamb from the lion's mouth, a bear's mouth. You know, this fellow is interested in relationships. He is that boy who is related, interested in relationships. He loves. Okay, He is interested in relationships. People, some people are not interested in relationships at all. But the entire salvation is about that. Love God and love your neighbor. And uh, it both involves time. Both invites uh, intimacy. Both in, involves listening. Okay, And these two are together. You cannot have one without the other. But the Bible is very, very clear. You see, I will tell you this. You will be shocked if you read John's Episodes. You may say, I may say, I love God with all my heart. I really love you, Lord. God says, you know what? You cannot love me whom you cannot see if you do not love your neighbor defense, whom you yeah. can see.
1: It's impossible. It's yes, impossible. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why God has put marriage over there. Mm-hmm. That's a first neighbor. It's your first neighbor. If you don't care for your family, and you're all the time saying, Lord, I love you. God says, you don't love me. Because you are a dual creature. You are spiritual and you are physical. If you are not able to love the one who is in the material realm, that is why in the kingdom of God, immediately after doctrine, fellowship is good. Fellowship is good. It says, it says one thing. I am spirit. You are spirit. But you are also body. Body. Okay. So he says, you know what? This is on. Have you ever seen a door, door hanging on one hinge? You know what happens when the bill it goes like this. It needs two hinges. Minimum two hinges for a door to hang properly. Two hinges. Wonderful. Okay? Wonderful. And what are the two hinges? Love, love the Lord God God. and love your neighbour. And Jesus puts number two very Amen. close to one. He doesn't make it one. Amen. Very close to one. The reason is, if you have only two, then you go wonky. You go wonky. You need to have one. But you cannot have one without two. Mm. One without two. Mm. cannot have one without two. So, see, understand this. God is very practical. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Very practical. David loves his God. David loves his sheep. Because father doesn't want him home. Go take care of the sheep. It's fine. If that's what you want to do, daddy, that's fine with me. You know what? What you've given it, I love my sheep too. I love my sheep too.
1: He never had any personal ambitions. He just, 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 just wanted, wanted what God, God want. gave him.
0: Yes, that's okay. it. But what messed that's up David, been. Saul messed up David. Hmm. Saul messed up David. You know what? You need to understand David is a young man with no mentor. He had no mentors. If you look at him, nobody mentored him. But thank God in the wilderness, God found him and he found God. David is a type of Israel. I found you in the howling wilderness. Mm. That's what he talks about. Jacob Jacob. and talks about Israel. And so all God's people, you will see, have come out of the wilderness. Mm. Jacob came out of the wilderness. Moses came out of the wilderness. David came out of the wilderness. And even Jesus had to come out of the wilderness. Okay, found him over there. So he had no mentors. Saul could have mentored him. And his first love was Michal. He loved Michal. And Saul, in his vindictiveness, messed him up by chasing him away and taking his wife and giving it to another man. So when restoration takes place in mm-hmm. between Saul's house and Saul is dead, one of the first thing he asks for is Michal. Mm-hmm. See, all the other women he picks is, is because there is a vacuum in his life with Michal. Mm-hmm. If it had been gone the proper way, mm-hmm. I don't believe he would have just had Michal the transition would have been smooth. That was the perfect will of God. And after that, what is happening is the permissive will of God. And then he wins, goes and goofs up with Bethsheba. Kills Uriah. But if you read scripture carefully and you analyze David's life, at the end, he has a very successful marriage. The marriage is successful with Bethsheba. And he's got a very godly son called Solomon. So he ends well. He ends well. But what messed him up was Mikhail. Saul and Mikhail. And he's always looking for, you see when he was dancing over the arc it was Mikhail who spoke yeah. and he was upset because her obsession he wants. He doesn't bother about the otherwise. What they say. It's this one he wants. Because that is his. So see smart. it's a, it's a literary guy he said. You love you loved one, you loved them all. That's it. Yep. You, loved <laughs> <them> all. <Okay. laughs> That's you loved one, you loved them all. Okay, Because the nature of love is not it is different. Same, yeah. It is the same. Oh, I loved this woman and that woman. Uh, Baba, the love was the same. Mm. The woman was different. Okay. But see, this is the one he actually loved. Michal is the one who loved. But she rejected him. And then she went with another man. And she had contempt for him and all that. But with Bethsheba, it works out well. It works out well. It, I mean, this is how God deals with it. I've never seen God deal with any man like the way he dealt with David. I mean, who would be so compassionate and kind? I mean, like you know, like we say in English, stretch backwards, uh, bending to, backwards. Bending over backwards. Bending over backwards to please a man. God bend over backwards to please David. You know why? Because he knew David loved him. Wow, that's true. David loved him. David was not as righteous as the others. David was not as kosher as the others. But I don't see any man in the old covenant who loved God as David loved. And God bent backwards to please him. Backwards to please him. And that's why it is put over there. Because ultimately, you know, what will matter is that God is not, he punished him, the sword went through him, he dealt in his righteousness and all, but God loved him. Even Solomon will receive mercy because in God's sight because of David. And yeah, if subsequent generation yeah, because of your father David. Yeah. Your father. And he will ask, What is this? Because of Father David? What did David do that God is so because aren't there there more? What about Job? What about Noah? He says, Yeah, all of them are very righteous men, godly men. No man loved me like this man loved me. And because of his love for me you know, because of his love for me, And David understands that. He understands. That's why he looks, when he's king, he says, Is there anybody in the house of Saul that whom I can suffer?" for Jonathan? Said, because you know Jonathan loved him. And Jonathan risked his life for him. If there was one person, human being, in David's life, who loved David, it was Jonathan. That's why he cried. That was one friend who stuck to me closer than a brother. Jonathan loved David. David loved Jonathan. And then finally, God restores his life. He fulfills God's will and dies in peace. Okay, so we need to understand when you're talking about staying in communication with God is that you have to saturate your soul with the love of God. Okay, and the love of God, you need to realize it's a very practical thing. It's a very practical thing. What does he tell the church in Ephesus?
1: You lost your first love.
0: No, you lost. And what does he tell them?
1: Do the things that you did at first.
0: Yeah, he said, do the things. A simple thing, okay. So, counseling, this thing, husband, wife, there are lots of problems, okay. What is your love marriage? Yeah, Did you love her in the beginning? Yeah? Did she love you in the beginning? What did you do in the beginning? Let's go do it
1: again. Go to each other,
0: yeah. Let's yeah, do it again. Yeah. That's all. God says, that's what God is a Lot of people have got saved without loving God. Yeah. So, to them to say, go do the things in the beginning, they have no beginning. Mm. <laughs> There was nothing there in their beginning. So it's very difficult. So you have to teach them to love God. You have to teach them. But people who loved God in the beginning, you yep. tell them, you know what did you do in the love? Yeah, I know. I, I never went to college. <laughs> I shut myself in my hostel room for That's three strong. weeks. <laughs> All I did was spend time with God. Went to the mess, ate and we could do it. I knew those days. You know what? You I mean sometimes God tells us, you know, James, you know what? Do you remember your first year in college? Mm. Do you know? You did not know anything of the world, But I loved what you were there more than what you are now. You are a pastor. <laughs> lot <Lord> of mercy. <laughs> I liked you more then. Because then you really loved me. You understood nothing. That raw, you innocent love. You, you were a rookie. You did not have a proper Bible. You picked a good news Bible from that library. And you sat with a good news Bible. You loved me. Mm. Now? <laughs> 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 Their head is full of this theology. <laughs> Sometimes when you come to the prayer said you are trying to teach me doctrine. <laughs> okay. Can you go back to those old days? That's all okay. I say. In any relationship, just go back to the old days. How were you in the beginning? I am telling you, when you go to heaven, you will realize everything is relational
1: ultimately i i think also the fact that you know the ultimate expression of love is poetry and that's the reason why i think david wrote the maximum number of Psalms and all no? because, because it's like because it just it just becomes natural to him
0: because Beyond poetry, there is no language, Language, and poetry is a language of love. Absolutely, anything—even if it's depression—it is because love that is rejected. (laughs) (laughs) No, too good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Super. (laughs) The language of love that was rejected. (laughs) It
0: was rejected, and this is the whole answer of God. If you look at the cross, (laughs) if you don't see the love of God, you haven't seen. If you haven't seen God. The cross is the ultimate, ultimate expression. expression of love. Wow. This is I like. We have that old uh, Indian thing, no? That cross with the dupatta over it. Right? Mm. They ask me, "How much do you have?" you loved me. Special hands and, and, it is. and says, "This is how mm. much you have loved me." No, and you have to bring people ultimately to that. Because mm. if you don't have this, mm. have this, then it doesn't matter how much doctrine you have. You will still fail. Mm. You will still find it difficult to be restored. You will still find it, you may still fall away. That's it. But a man or a woman who has loved God, it is almost impossible for him to fail, to fall. You look at the people in the Bible who have yeah, finished well. There's a statement in God.
1: Corinthians, love is stronger than death. Yes. I mean, that is in song, song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon.
0: <laughs> Love is oh, strong. as strong as, as death, it says. love is, Which which means is there are two things which are very, very powerful. One is love, the other is death. Death is the end of something. And for the sake of love, people have been willing to die. Mm. People are willing to die. Mm. Mm. Like the current monarchy in Britain is why. Because the constitution does not allow the king to marry a divorcee. I don't know King George II or III. He fell in love with this American spinster, and he gave up the throne, and he married, and went to France, and lived his life peacefully till she and he died. I don't want the throne. I loved this woman more than this throne. And if the Constitution bars me, to the heck with the Constitution. Take the throne, and that's how Queen Elizabeth, Charles, and all. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the line. It was some another line. They become because he abdicated the throne. And if you ask the question, why did he abdicate the throne? For a woman, hmm. whom he loved. And people, God understands it. That's and people right. understand it. When, when you know, they they understand, that's the power of love. Mm. Power, love is as strong as death. He died to the throne and went with her and settled in France. Mm. You know, that's what God is talking about. You know, love is strong. Love is strong. You know, and when we look at and you have to, but love has to have truth in it. Yeah. and The truth part is that you need to ask, okay, uh, why do you love this person? In our love for God, we look at you know, everything that we are looking for actually is, one, found in God. It is found in man, too. Yeah. It is not man who said it is not good for man to be alone. It is God who said because God saw that. God saw that. Okay. So you can, uh, the, the medieval times, friends made this mistake of shutting themselves in the monasteries. Mm. That will not work. That will not work. It will not work. We have to love God and we have to love Love man. We have to love man. Mm -hmm. Like you may say, but what about Paul? You know what? Paul was not married. But he was married to his church. And he tells them, he was a bachelor. I you. But he has a family. You may have 10,000 instructors, but he says, you know what? I'm your father. I
1: begot you and I have
0: begotten you. And yeah. he's agonizing more like a father over his children who are not getting the concepts. Oh. So he was a family man. Yeah. He was yeah. a family man. <laughs> <laughs> and you see the church in Ephesus weeping, crying when Gosh. he's leaving. He's mm. a family man. He loved his church. That was his family. Mm. And in Isaiah, we'll say, Baron Woman, your children are more. Mm. Okay, so that is what you are talking about. It is it's a begetting. That's why KDB uses the term. He began, begat. They were all begat, but they were not fathers. They were not fathers. They only begat. They only beget. <laughs> they were not fathers. You can beget children and not be a father. Oh, no. Father is something else altogether. No one was a father. Hmm was no, a father, who built an ark for the saving of it's his family. family. He was a father. He was a father. Enoch was a father. But only the only issue was that his family did not love oh, God yeah. the way he loved him, but he was a father. So his entire thing was based on to save his family. That's why he's even named his son to save his family. Yeah. Because So we need to look at it. have to see that. You have to balance this both. Don't go one way, you will get into error. Don't go the other way, you will go into error. And most of these problems, almost every problem in every family can be solved with these two commandments. Love God, love your spouse. There has to be intimacy. And intimacy is equal to time. Spend time with God, spend time with your home. You are good. You are good. And communicate with God and with your spouse communicate. With God, you can say anything and everything. He won't be surprised. He won't <laughs> be angry. Similar should be like with Yeah, actual. this thing. So, but sometimes what you can't tell your spouse also, you can tell mm-hmm. God. Because you cannot expect your spouse to be tolerant and long-suffering like God. With God, no issues. Honestly, you cannot have a relationship that you have with God, you which you can it. have even with your. It's not possible. Mm-hmm. Because even if you tell, she may not understand or he may not understand. But God understands. Completely understand where you're coming from because he sees everything. He is mm. he's omniscient. He sees everything. He understands everything. And mm. one of the ways of developing intimacy with God is that in your prayer closet, don't put your prayer request, just talk to him. Mm. You need to learn to talk to with all, you know, that that I'm just I'm just mad at myself. Mm. You know what? And sometimes this is what I think. This is what. you know that you can just went before God. God does not shout at Elijah when he's venting. He allows him to vent. I am the only one left. Correction, one second, one second. There's seven <laughs> others. Continue, continue. Not surprised. I know what you're going through. You're depressed. No problem. Man. He's a whisper. He's not angry with Elijah. He doesn't want to. Because a bruised reed, he will not break. He's spoke of a whisper. What are you doing here? Hmm.
1: What are you doing here? are shouting enough. at him, screaming.
0: What are you doing here? <laughs> no, commission sin go back. The way you came. okay, And you have to come to that's what Jesus teaches us to pray. They're all waiting for Sanskrit mantra to come. Jesus says, No, that's not how. This is how you pray. And it blows their minds off. When he begins, they must have been like, What?
1: Our Father who art mm, in heaven. Our address okay. is like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They, not, that is because yeah. of the other think, side. But that, but that how he address introduces address the address system. is completely and he's is not using our term father. he's is using their father. Abba. 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 What a Jewish boy calls his father. Abba. This is how you need to pray. Hmm. Need to pray. And he tells before that your father already knows what you need. Everything is father, father. You not even a sparrow falls in the ground. without. Your father, Your father, he brings that thing in. And what is that? It's a term of intimacy. It's a term of intimacy. Okay, it's not, no, he doesn't say, oh Lord who begat me. No, it's not, it's not about begetting, it's just about my father. <laughs> 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 These like are two different concepts all oh together. God of mercy. You really, really, I and mean, honestly, you know, honestly, if, I mean, this, Sister from New York, who's writing this. This one was from New York. The other was from Australia. We have one from Middle East, and all of them. You know, simple thing is that just go, go to God, speak to Him. The good, the bad, and, and the ugly. ugly. Everything that is in your mind, the thoughts that are in your mind, <laughs> your emotions, the anger you feel, you can go and went before Him. He will not say anything. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, he will not say, anything. you Thank can wend before him. And you have to learn to wend before him. And When you come out of your prayer closet, you will be calm. Thank you, and Lord. And David was a man who learned to wend mm-hmm. before God. He used to go to God. and Even when he had to be that, he said, let me. Because he knew his God. He said, don't let me fall in the hands of my enemy. You want to judge me? Let me fall in the hands of God. Let him punish me. I'm okay with it, but not in the hands of my enemy. Three choices. He said, "What three choices? I have always only one choice. Don't you fall in the hands of my father? I know how it is. So you have to do that. Build this relationship with God on one-on-one, personal one-on-one. That's the only way you will come through. The last days. The last days, the church will be scattered. When the church is scattered, everyone who has a one-on-one relationship with you will come through." They will come through. You know, and that is John the Apostle in Island Patmos, and all. Nobody there. It doesn't stop him in the Lord's day. I was in the spirit. Why are you? Because I love him. No. I love him. Thank you. I don't need anybody else. Everybody else is there. Mm-hmm. God bless you. But I am not dependent upon them for my relationship with my father. I have a relationship mm-hmm. with my father and I have a relationship with them. And because he has that heart, God is telling him, John, right. write these to the letters, because I know you are a father. Mm. You love your sheep. But they are far away. Write this. And when it comes from you, I need a human vessel who loves me and who loves man. And when it comes to you, they will. Mm-hmm. Because many of them who get this letter, they don't know me, but they know you. They don't know me. They know you. They will take it because it's coming from you. Mm. And that's what the Bible says God is always looking for a man whose yeah, heart is stayed on him for what? So that that man can be his vessel before man. Because that man may not understand God, but men understand this man. They are able to relate to that man. That is why Jesus became man. What was the whole purpose? Mm. Take us to the Father. We forget that. We get stuck in the doorway. I am the way. Mm. Where? Where are you taking me? Back to to the the Father.
1: Father. I'm taking you to the Father. No one comes to the Father. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So, you want to take another question or you want to stop? Yeah, we can take one more question. This is question number 12 and it's perfect. I think this is like the perfect question. It's, It's so logically follows. I believe we must present ourselves to God without pretense on what you were mentioning. Also, attend to how you're thinking of God. Again, the same thing. Purge yourself of anything blocking your relationship with God. Approach God as a first thing in your life. But after doing all this, I still fail. <laughs> Why?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> See, uh you have to accept failure also as a part of relationship. Okay? Because remember, God is not uh, discouraged by my failure. I may be discouraged by my failure in the relationship, but God is not discouraged by my failure. Because in this mortal body, because there is something called flesh, Mm. and in this world, and in the presence of these wicked forces, there will be always relational issues. That is why Revelation 21 is different. There is no presence of sin. There is no flesh. Mm. There is no devil. Mm. Even thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, there is still problems on earth. You need a a sceptre of iron. So you have to factor failure in. It's like starting a business. When you start a business, one of the first things you factor in is loss, Mm. not gain. (laughs) Amen. <laughs> That's how business We are a good businessman. The first thing for six months, one year, you already factored in the loss. Mm. Factored in the loss. Until you get your market and the trust of your clients, yes. you are factoring in loss. So, even in any relationship, you are starting, even starting a church, you are not building a big congregation. You are first factoring in loss. People will come, people will not go, people will come, people will go, but you have to be consistent. Because what people are looking for, ultimately, the ones who stay are the ones who are looking for consistency. consistency. Yes, you are not wavering between two opinions. You are consistent about because you are presenting something which does not change. change. Yes. Okay. So in relationships, Man. also there will be failures mm. because what is God building in us? He's building in us His character that is consistency. So when there is failure, it is not who he is. he is not the one who is failing. It is I am who is failing. Mm. The question is not whether I am failing or not. The question is whether I am learning from my failures. Mm. The failures don't matter to God. Mm. What matters is, am I learning from my failures? Like as a math teacher, why do you get upset because the kid got the um, equation wrong? No. But he's is making the same the a mistake, mistake over and over. Yeah. then you realize there is an issue over here. This person yes. is not Getting. Yes. yes, Failure does not matter to God. Failure does not matter to God. What matters is, am I learning from my failures? Okay, Otherwise, what I will become is, I will become a perfectionist, which is a very dangerous thing to become. Because when you become a perfectionist, there is no room for error. You will be a miserable man, and you will make everybody miserable. One, you will be miserable because you cannot be perfect in this life. Okay, Two, you will make everybody miserable because you are never satisfied with their work. Oh boy, oh boy. Okay, so you cannot be that. Because that is what, that is what the, the law does. The law demands perfection and won't lift one single finger to help you. you. The law has only one statement, be perfect or die. It <laughs> 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 does not have any in between. Be perfect or die. <laughs> oh god of <have> mercy. <laughs> be perfect or die. <laughs> but there's no room for that. So, in love, there is always room for failure. Okay, so in relationship, there is always a, relationships are not based on laws. Mm. So they are asking about all the laws and the prophets. They are talking about thirty-nine books in the Old Testament, case, only two laws. Mm. The whole thing can be summed up into loss. two laws. <laughs> two laws? What is it? Give us the theory. He says, "Love God <laughs> and love man." So that's it. Suddenly, when you look at love, there are no laws. Wow. Oh. There are no laws. Against such, there is no law. There's no law. <laughs> <love. laughs> That's it, okay. over. No and he says, if you look at the real, understand the real, what love? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Four commandments are gone. Mm. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the next six are six gone. Four. No, there are no ten commandments. They are fulfilled in these two laws. Okay. But when you don't love, you have to put and make a big plaque and <laughs> hang it in the first. So these other ten commandments, follow it. <laughs> but if you teach, no, teach, you know, teach people to to love God, okay, love God. That is the whole thing about it. Whenever David sinned, okay, David sinned, but he never stopped loving God mm. and therefore he could be restored. Mm. Saul never loved God. <laughs> so it didn't matter. <laughs> 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 it's so impossible to <laughs> restore him <laughs> because he never loved God. Okay. Now, you also know that with your own children. Okay. You know the child, whether the child Anything really loves it. or not. Mm. The child does not love. All you can do is discipline them and put like... That's what he says. Do you want a burden like a horse? Mm. Questions God is basically asking. Do you need like a burden like a horse or can you be guided by the eye? Mm. Okay. Because the law is a burden. Basically, when you live under the law, you are actually proving you are lawless. <laughs> <laughs> the law is for the lawless. <laughs> the law is for the lawless. But for the ones who love God, he doesn't need the law.
1: Mm.
0: And the law doesn't, satisfy him. Mm. The law doesn't satisfy, him. satisfy him. The law doesn't satisfy him. The law doesn't satisfy He's not satisfied mm. with the law. Because he's every day going to the mm. prayer closet and asking God, do you have anything more to say? Mm. Paul will come and says, what I received, I did not receive from Gamaliel or from the law. I received from a revelation Mm. from God. He spoke to me. Mm. The law doesn't satisfy you anymore. It doesn't satisfy you anymore. Because you are not satisfied by the law. You know uh, this can't be there has to be more to God than this. Mm. There has to be more to God than the law. There has to be. Lord, you said this in the word. What did you mean?
1: Mm.
0: What did you mean? What was your intention? (laughs) What was your intention Mm. when you said this? What did you mean? Mm. What did you mean? Now it is a love relationship. Mm. It is not a law relationship. The law will, that is what is said, no? Uh, Law only produces slaves. Love Love produces sons. sons. And he who is a son... Abides forever. forever. The slave will go in and out, in and out because he is under the law. Mm. No, the son abides forever. Okay, we all came under the law, but we are on the process of becoming sons. Mm. We are not sons yet. We are children. We are not sons yet. Mm. So don't casually use words like, no, it is at the end of his life on earth. Jesus bears his heart from Revelation John 13:31 to the end of this day and it is when he bears his heart intimate last conversation with this level he says now i call you friends now no, he did not say earlier earlier he gave them command go there do this tell mm-hmm. them, untie that get the room ready he was treating with them as servants you know children are servants Sit down, do your homework, blade, clean the table, don't talk. When adults are talking, what do you treat them as? Nice. Like servants. To be seen, not to be heard. You are my children, but you live your lives under the roof, under my will. Now he says, you are my friends. You are my friends because I have bared my heart to you. That child will one day grow up. You don't treat the child that way at all. The child becomes no, so a friend. Mm-hmm. So don't just sing what a man sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. I don't think any one of us have come to that point where we can say, Jesus is my friend. We're still on the way, on that road. Whether he will accept our friendship or not, we don't know. But we are his children. We are his children. That's where the difference between John one twelve: as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the children. The Greek word for a child. When you come to Romans 8, it says, as many as are led by the Spirit, they shall be called the sons. That is a different term altogether. It's a mature, grown son who is led by the Spirit. He doesn't need the law. He doesn't need the law. gone beyond the law he understands the heart of his father because he's in communion with the spirit who wrote the word the letter of the law kills the word kills the spirit gives life he's not walking by the letter he has understood the spirit how did he understand the spirit it comes because the spirit speaks to him he's no longer reading the word he's meeting a person there in his prayer closet god speaks to him God speaks, and he's content He's absolutely content with God. And because he's content with God, he's able to be content with others. Because he's no longer insecure. He's secure in God. Insecure people make others insecure. So the first thing God says is, come to me and be secure. Secure. I love you without reservation. I am not ashamed of you. Hallelujah. Not ashamed of you. (laughs) I love you, you you're accepted, and I cover you. Now go. And be <coughs> secure in your relationships secure because if you are not secure with God, what God demands we cannot do. what God demands is death. Mm-hmm. Any man loves me, wants to follow me, he has to deny himself, first pick up his what is he demanding? He's demanding death, and you cannot die. Unless you're secure on this side. Mm. Jesus is willing to die. He was absolutely, absolutely secure God. in his oh, father. God. Even when his father turns his face away, he cries, my father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he dies, he's yes. secure. I come with my hand. I commit come with my spirit. He committed into your hands. And he dies absolutely mm. secure. Why? Because he knows his father. My father has said very clearly, my body shall not see corruption. Hallelujah. And I have pleased him. I know all the way I have pleased him. I know I have loved him. I have obeyed him, I have pleased him, I am secure. I will not, my body will not see corruption. I will come back. That's a sick. Therefore, he was able to relate to everybody. If you look at Jesus' relationship with everybody, it didn't matter. Nicodemus, Pharisee, oh, of course I will tell. You. Samaritan, no problem. Leopard, no problem. He had no issues with anybody. He could relate to anybody. You know yeah, why? Secure. Because he was absolutely yeah, secure. secure with his father. Yeah. And that is how we raise our children. We have to raise our children to be absolutely secure with God. That security we have to give them. That even when we discipline them, we need to tell them, you know what, I will discipline you, but I love, love you. you unreservedly. And you, you, you are not a burden. You are not a burden. Huh? Hallelujah. A burden. We, we don't go, Lord, I am. So who told you you are a burden to me? You're not a burden. You're not a burden. These concepts about how God looks at this, we have to pass it on. And when you are secure, you are secure in our relationship. The other person still may be insecure. That doesn't mean you need to be insecure. You can be still secure in an insecure relationship and give space to the other person to become secure. No, I'm not saying because you are secure with God and you are secure, the other person is secure. No, the other person. Children are not secure. You are very secure. But children will cling to your hand They see danger, but you don't see danger, but they see danger. So, why are you clinging on to man? Don't you know there's nothing? You cling, I am good. You cling, okay? You grow one day. You will look at that the same way I am looking at it, and then you will realize you don't need to hold my hand, you are secure. But now you can hold my hand, hold my hand. So that's how God leads us through that path. No, so we have to go through that process and that defining thing is that whether it's the word of God or whether it's a prayer closet, two major factors in a believer's life. You meet a person. Hallelujah. There's a person you meet. And that person is called the Spirit of God. A person, Jesus said, just like me. Mm-hmm. And that's what comes in when we are born again. The Spirit of God comes. And He comes and takes His residence. And He speaks to us and will be obeyed. Start with the letter. Go to the Spirit. Yes, Pastor Vijay? We shall close for today. Meeting Pastor. <laughs> now that I have preached, I don't know what I will preach tomorrow. He <laughs> 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 have to give me something new tomorrow or maybe continue where we stopped. Okay. So, GDC Hyderabad, if you have got the alerts, um, uh, Tomorrow evening, parade grounds, the meeting is only after five and the restrictions, according to the notifications, are starting only after two PM. So till before that, the road seems to be open. Leave a home a little early. Don't wait to reach church at nine, nine, five. Traffic, I guess, will be open. Leave a little early. Come early. We'll finish and we will leave. No. You, the roads will be cleared for all of you to, wherever you are in the city, don't worry. It will be open for you to come. Come to church. It's first Sunday. Don't fear the traffic jam. Love God and come to his house. You will go back home. Amen. 12 o'clock, depart. We'll pray quickly. Have our snacks. We will go. All will reach home before 1 o'clock. And then we shall pray for rain. Hallelujah.
1: Mm. The heavens to be Pastor, you,
0: should pray, Pastor, you should pray. We pray. shall pray. Okay. Mm. Uh? <laughs> <laughs> Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord, Father. As David said, Lord, only he could have said stuff like that. Where can I flee from your presence? Even if I make my bed in, in hell, hell, you, will you be are there. still there. It's, it's still a love relationship, Lord. Like one of the old-time props. Poets wrote, the hound of heaven pursues mm. us, mm. he smells us, mm. and he comes after us, he will not leave us. Hey, David experienced your love that way fast mm. Ultimately, you said, only these three things will be there, faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest is love. Mm. Solomon said, love is as strong as death. Help us to love you, Lord, more and more and more and more each day. That will keep us. It was because Paul loved you that way he was able to say to love is Christ, to die is gain. Because Christ. If we don't love you that way, we look at life and see only loss. But with you, Lord, there's no loss. Amen. Yes, Lord. When Abraham couldn't understand it when you came and told him, "I am your shield, I am your exceedingly great reward." He was looking in the temporal and seeing he had no son, when God was come had come to offer him Christ, he was looking for a mortal child, and God had to take him up and open up heavens and show him Christ. Then he believed, "Help us to see Christ." But if we see Christ, we see the Father. Because you said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Amen. In everything, Lord, help us to see you. Help us to go beyond the letter of the Word. Amen. Help us to see you in the Word. Help us to encounter you in our prayer closet. Yes. Even if we have, we, we don't have the strength to pray, just to sit there quietly in your presence and listen to what you have to say. Because in the twinkling of an eye, whether it is death or you coming, all this will become irrelevant. The things we are perceiving today, the battles we are fighting today will have no meaning when we are in your presence. Hmm. Then we will realize the only thing that matters is how much did we know you? How much did we long to know you? How much did we desire to know you? It's the only thing that matters. Then we will know you as our real father who will wipe our tears. There will be no grief and we'll be forever living in your presence. Help us to see, Lord. Knowing that, to gird our loins and do everything we have been called to do to beget more children in thy kingdom, to save people from the fires of hell and bring them into your kingdom, knowing that one thing Gives our Father more joy than everything else that we do. Because when one sinner repents, you said there is enormous rejoicing in heaven. Yes. If there is one thing we can do to make our Father happy is to be part of that salvation process. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Father, thank you. Mm-hmm. Coming tonight into thy hands. If you tell you to come tomorrow, I pray everyone will be able to come to church. Without any issues, they will find their way. There will be no traffic jams. Unnecessarily, people will stay off the roads. The roads will be clear. We'll be able to come to church, O Lord, and go also back home safely without any issues, O Lord. Everyone, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be in your house, to worship our Father, to fellowship with our Father, to love our Father, who gave his only Son, so that we might become his children. For your word says, Behold, what manner of love you have bestowed on us that we are called the children of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Be with us, Lord, through this night. Keep speaking to us. Everyone, you know where each one has reached in their walk with you. According to that, Lord. Keep speaking to all of us, even in the night watches. Help us to hear the sweet, soft voice of our Father speaking to us. Thank you, thank you Lord, thank you. Once again, we thank you for today. Thank you for bringing us through six months and the second day as we end. We just want to bless your holy name Lord. I speak peace and I speak rest into every heart that is going through turmoil, Lord, and your divine protection over your servants everywhere. Divine protection, Lord. Human protection won't do, Lord, in the underground churches and those who are under attack. They need divine protection, Lord. You move. You protect them. And you cover them from all their enemies who seek their lives, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen, Amen, Amen. 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 God bless you.